Hi, I'm Kerry Campion, and this is SEO in 2024, Additional Insights. Kerry, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2024? My additional insight is to stop focusing on copying your competitors and to make your content uncopyable. Uncopyable. That sounds quite definitive. How do you become uncopyable? So I kind of like to divide it into a few different categories. One of them is leaning into product-led content. So that's particularly relevant um, for people like SaaS companies. Creating a strong brand voice, brand persona uh, point of view. Creating more templates and resources. Collaborating with influencers in your niche who are very well known for the thing that you want to be known for. So that's essentially the um, the bullet point. <laughs> so brand is very much at the centre of what you're advocating there. Let's start off with brand persona because you, you, you mentioned that and then we can move into maybe creating a strong brand messaging strategy. So how do you create a brand, a strong brand persona? Yeah, so it really comes down to uh, positioning, which I think as a concept, most marketers are a bit more familiar with. You know, you've got you know, you versus your competitor, how are you going to dif- differentiate yourself? And essentially that that really just does come down to things like your, how you're positioning yourself in the market. Why you? Why are you better? Which is obviously tied to what unique problems that you solve better than your competitors for your customers. Um, and a strong brand voice and point of view, values that your customers are going to resonate with. FYI, Friendly but professional um, is not a brand voice. (laughs) So I guess you often hear of marketing teams saying, this is the brand, this is what we're about, to content teams, to SEO teams. Should SEO teams and content teams be involved in that initial discussion? I think so, because, I mean, a lot of what I see as a writer, uh, particularly around, like, let's say briefs, right? You know, it's like, okay, here's the content we want to produce. Here's the brief. That brief is usually just by the SEO team. I, you know, it's usually just, okay, here's the target keyword, secondary keywords, uh, links we want to include, and here's some competitor articles, right? So what that kind of, what kind of happens there is it gets a bit decontextualized. So for instance, why are we producing this content? Okay, like why is this important to our customers? What, what questions are we answering for them here? So yeah, like why does this piece of content exist? essentially, which I see more as like the, um, say, the head of content sort of role weighing in on that, like, why is why is this content being produced rather than just, oh, this is a keyword that we want to rank for. Understood. Okay. So when you're creating a piece of content, then it's about, uh, it's about the subtleties around how it relates to what your audience are looking for. And wrapped up in that is brand values, as opposed to mentioning the brand within the piece of content. I mean, you can mention the brand within the piece of content. For instance, a lot of product-led content does that. Two companies who do that extremely well would be SEMrush and Ahrefs, right? They don't just give you sort of abstract strategies. They, they always say, oh, and here's how to do that in Ahrefs. Here's how to do that in SEMrush. Um, so it's not that you, you don't have to mention the brand or the product at, at, at all. But when it comes to the kind of brief what you want to be sharing with people who are writing for your brand, who are essentially becoming your brand voice and that sort of, you know, prospect or customer facing uh, point of contact. You want to essentially show them what's our take on this topic, right? What are like, 
yeah that again that comes down to that brand voice uh the brand values like why are we why are we uniquely positioned to answer this why is this important for our customers and uh, what's our take on this and then even bringing in things like uh certain subject matter expertise like a lot of times people will do a you know kind of a monthly stand up with the ceo or something and sort of fire them questions related to the content that they're going to produce in that quarter uh, and then pass that on to their writers that's a great practice if more companies can can get into that because again you're just building that thought leadership and really tying an opinion and uh, a strong point of view to the to the brand that people are going to people are more likely going to remember it rather than abstract kind of how-to content that doesn't really have much personality. I love that. Um, so incorporate what's the brand's take on that particular piece, that that, that particular article on a, on a particular topic. So d- does that mean that you can write an article on a topic and then maybe take it to a thought leader internally and then get a strong opinion on that piece from them and incorporate both the article and the opinion piece as, as, as part of the same article? Yeah, like I've done that quite a lot, you know, for, for, for one company. And they, you know, they did some like quite complex uh, work. And so I would always, we always kind of, we always had like a meeting at the beginning of the month. Okay, here's the content we're going to produce. They would have already kind of seen this beforehand. I would, you know, be asking them questions. Uh, well, you know, David, how would how how would you deal deal with this or like what questions are coming up about you know implementing this martech solution and things like that and then they would actually be like reviewing the content as well uh so he was you, you know for instance it was the head of seals for instance who um would sometimes review the content or someone else on the on the team i do want to say like i understand that you can't do this for every piece of content that would just that would just be crazy depending on how big your company is but you know, there are kind of, if you're wanting to produce thought leadership content, uh, it's incredibly important that subject matter experts within your company are having some sort of input on that. And when you talk about subject matter experts inside your company, is it absolutely key to incorporate people from inside your company? I mean, can you incorporate thought leaders, external thought leaders, maybe uh, people who write authoritative blogs in your industry as part of your content as well, or does that not really add to that brand value? No, I think that's a that's a great practice and a great use of, you know, for instance, like if you've like some sort of budget for influencer marketing, you know, bringing people on to your site to produce content who are well known within that niche, and then even you know on that, I was actually just watching the the, the YouTube video. Uh, it is Lydia Infante, you know, just created um, a, G- a, a GPT. Can we use that as a nine? I don't know. A GPT. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> For, yeah, turning author bios into like eight optimized schema, which, you know, you can use on your website. And yeah, just kind of having your content associated with certain subject matter experts uh, who are outside of, of your company, but well recognized within your industry and your niche is another great way to immediately build trust with, you know, people who are coming to to your site to get information on a, on a topic. And do you try and incorporate video? Do you try and record video at the same time when you're talking to thought leaders to um, embed maybe a, a video as, as part of your content? Oh, that would be brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm always trying to push people to do more video content. 
it's not always easy <laughs> just because, yeah, people are like, oh, yeah, I don't really have time. I'll just like send you an email with, you know, some quotes or things like that. But um, I think video is, I mean, it's an awesome way uh, to get more more sort of bang for your buck out of your content. Of course, that can be repurposed really well across social, uh, even, you know, YouTube and um, other platforms like that. So if you're doing any type of interviews, either with people in the organization or people outside of it, um, and I usually would record those uh, so I don't need to take notes because I'm a terrible note taker. <laughs> um, it's really great to to be repurposing those for sure. It will help your content team a lot, just repurposing to different channels. So I can certainly understand the value of creating a strong consistent content theme with uh, opinion pieces um, so people can recognize your content so when they're reading it they associate it with mm -hmm. your brand yep. I'm also thinking that if you do incorporate uh, consistent pieces like that that perhaps even mention your brand as well then to a certain degree it um, helps deal with AI bots that may be scraping your yeah. content and perhaps incorporating your content and other answers. And then at least they're maybe actually featuring your brand as part of their answer somewhere else. Is, is, is that a, a valid thought process to, to consider? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because we're, we're still, I think, in the stony age of, of AI <laughs> and AI content and stuff. I hope in the future there will be more. I mean, I think it's already happening, right? Like where they're starting to cite their sources a bit better and sort of say where they're getting uh, content from. And yeah, exactly. And if you are kind of incorporating a lot of, say, what we mentioned earlier, like product-led content, that's a lot harder for a competitor to just copy sort of word for word or to recreate en masse uh, with something like uh, artificial intelligence, ChatGPT, and that sort of thing. And something else that you do is lean heavily into your own customer stories. Um, so how do you go about doing that and what value does that provide? So again, um, when it comes to making your content uncopyable, uh, it's very hard for a competitor to copy your customer stories. That would be, that would be weird. <laughs> um, so for instance, like you can have content that speaks about a certain topic and incorporate things like your case studies in there. Case studies are great pieces of content, not just you know, for sales enablement, but also they, they are very easy to sort of repurpose in different forms of content, how-to content. So you're sort of telling people, okay, here's how to do this thing. You can do it with our product. And here's like a little snapshot of what's possible if you implement this using our own customers and the success that they've had implementing this solution. So it's really building that that authority again and that trust that we don't just tell you what to do, we show you how to do it and we've got, you know, evidence to back it up that it actually works. So I know that the real answer in terms of um, how long your content should be is um, how long <laughs> is enough. <laughs> if, yeah. if you can answer your question in a, in a paragraph and that's fine if, you know, if yeah. you need to take 20,000 words in that. <laughs> but, but is there any type of consistency or, or theme that you're seeing in terms of... Um, content length and also content publishing frequency so in terms of content length yeah i mean obviously glossary content is going to be much shorter and snappier than you know a ultimate guide on you know cornerstone topic whatever that may be for the company but i do think in general um sometimes you can you can blow an article out of scope 
by being, you know, too too long. Uh, so I, you know, a, a lot of the um, advice before NSEO in particular was, you know, if the top 10 have like 2,500 words, you write 10,000 words and that's going to, you know, I don't actually agree with that because I feel like, again, it kind of blows the topic out of scope when you start bringing in so much more other things almost from outside of that topic that it's not very specific and very focused. And I think that could actually, you know, potentially hurt your rankings. Don't really have evidence for that. It's just kind of my gut feeling (laughs) on that because you just start to bring in so much so much other things that just aren't focused on that specific topic. I love that phrase, blow the article out of scope, because I would think that a lot of content writers don't even have a goal for their content, so they can't measure their, the success of that particular piece of content. Is, it, is that fair? I think it's very hard to measure um, the success of a piece of content. I think it's very hard to say like, oh, thanks to this piece of content, you know, we generated, I don't know, 500 signups or something like that. And it's, I think often as well, the metrics that content is measured against probably aren't fair as well. I don't think it's entirely fair to sort of say, oh, well, we're not seeing anyone sign up for a free trial from this piece of content, so it must be bad, right? What are fair metrics? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because um, I think, thankfully, we're starting to move away from things like, oh, you know, bounce rate or time on page uh, in terms of like, oh, this must be a great piece of content. Um, And I have a good story for that. Uh, My friend Matt over at Rocky.io, that's Rocky with two E's on the end. He has um, developed a tool that it's very much helps you measure your content in a qualitative way which is like kind of a trust pilot type thing. So people kind of leaving reviews, little star reviews and things like that, which is really interesting because he has a story where one of his clients you know, said, oh, well, this piece of content is our best one. It has really high time on page, low bounce rate, all those types of metrics. And actually, whenever they implemented his tool, it was like the lowest rated piece of content that they had or something like that. So it's difficult to say like which metrics would be fair. I think when it comes to content, what you're looking for above all is micro conversions. So for me, nine times out of 10, a micro conversion looks like signing up for a newsletter, um, signing up for some sort of email, downloading a resource, those types of things. Uh, I think content is much better at um, producing that type of conversion than, you know, oh, I read a blog and now I'm downloading this software. That's not a very realistic buyer journey, especially if you're in something like, you know, B2B software or something like that. But um, I think measuring it against those micro conversions like newsletter signups, uh, downloading resources um, is much more realistic and fair. You've shared what SEO should be doing in 2024. So now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEOs shouldn't be doing in 2024? Yeah, um, I think copying competitors. Um, I think that's, like I kind of mentioned, I sort of feel like bad skyscraper content is a bit of a self-fulfilling legacy because they sort of say, oh, well, take these five articles, these top 10 articles, this must be what Google loves. It's kind of like, well, you know, did they really rank it because they used, you know, the what is keyword H2 subhead? Or is it because this is just a very authoritative website on this particular topic, et cetera? So I think really just the idea of, copying competitors of skyscraper content really needs to sort of 
relegated to like the dark ages, I think. And to start, I think, collaborating more with the with the content marketing team, because uh, I think now people are much more conscious of the of the content that they're consuming, especially in B2B, because where we sort of hear more about AI and things like that more. And I think people are becoming more and more skeptical. So whenever they kind of read something that is quite devoid of personality, uh, unique opinions and things like that, there I my feeling is that it's going to be harder and harder to keep those people on the page, on the website and interested. I think the scary thing about um, a lot of online digital activity nowadays is it leads to the shortening tail, what I call the shortening tail, mm-hmm. because some time ago, maybe about 20 years ago, a guy called Chris Anderson wrote a book called The Long Tail, and I'm mm-hmm. all about this uh, incredible choice that consumers were going to have in the future. But um, all these websites now are, are recommending things like, well, re- people who bought this also bought this, and it leads to a shortening tail where you're getting less recommended short tail products. Um, mm-hmm. Follow me on this. I, I do actually have a, a related point to what yeah. you're actually sharing. And it re- relates to the, the syrup, I think, and what you're talking about and, and um, the um, skyscraper pieces that you're talking about there, because many SEOs look at the existing SERP and think mm-hmm. that's what ultimate success is. If Google is ranking this article number, yeah. uh, number one, then we have to copy that. So it leads to everyone doing the same thing and, and mm-hmm. uh, no long tail of consumer choice. But I guess the, the argument against that would be, look, Google's already tested lots of articles and they're obviously delivering high converting rates in terms of clicks to these pieces. Um, so how do you advocate producing something different if you don't necessarily know what the conversion rates or click-through rates will be? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think as well, the top thing is what what happens after the click so you might you know get clicks by you know targeting certain keywords yeah using certain lsi keywords to help it rank you know optimizing the content around a certain keyword but what happens after that i mean as seos are we just saying oh you got the click like that's all that's that's all that matters i feel like especially with you know the um things like the nuclear winter of SaaS in 2023 when a lot of marketing budgets shrank. I don't think that that's good enough anymore. I think we have to be considering a lot of like, well, what is our content doing once people get there? I don't think it's enough to just say, oh, well, it's ranking. And if you are just copying competitors blindly and not producing any kind of real value in your content, you're getting clicks and that's it. And I think we've all, you know, experienced that. I know I have where it's like, oh, great, look at all this this traffic this and then when we've actually kind of looked at it it's like oh but it's not actually doing anything it's not it's not serving any kind of business goals and also i've i've written and ranked content that does you know very well on the serps with um actually very like little little uh optimization or any type of sort of comparison uh comparing to other articles and saying okay i have to use these subheads you know so i mean i've definitely had success with it by not obsessing over what's already ranking. Yeah, it's not, it's, don't think of your content as a standalone piece just to drive traffic. Where does it fit into your funnel? Where's the context in relation to your business and other pieces of content in your site? Yeah, and it's, it's definitely something I, th- I feel like that's, that's been missing a lot. And I've, I've certainly fallen into that trap, which is why, you know, I advocate so strongly against it, not 
um, yeah, because a business goal is not, you know, no one sits down with the CEO and sort of says, okay, like our big vision is to get more traffic. Like that's no one, like no one's creating business goals around traffic. And if they are, I think they're in, they're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Kerry Campion is SEO co- copywriter and content strategist at God Save the Serp, and you can find her over at godsavetheserp.com. Kerry, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2024. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. I've been your host, David Bain. You've been listening to an episode of SEO in 2024 Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2024 podcast, video series, and book. Find out more at SEO in 2024. Dot com. <laughs>